All right, hello everybody, and welcome to uh, Dragon Cast, the Drexel Basketball Podcast. I'm Nate, and then we've got uh, Leon, Bill, and then Dan with us as always here tonight, uh, taping on a Sunday night. I just walked in the door; I made them wait. Unfortunately, I apologize to you guys for that, by the way. Uh, but um, we will touch on this later. I had an opportunity to get my kids to the Plustra for the first time. I know a lot of people whine about the Plustra. I love it. I it was just really cool to take them there, but. Cut it close getting back here, so I appreciate you guys having the patience, and then uh, hopefully put together something that's worth listening to here tonight. So, and um, yeah, we wanted to start, uh, of course, a lot of basketball to talk about, but uh, unfortunately, uh, and I know him as Timer, and I'm probably going to call him Timer throughout uh, the our, our talk about him here today. But of course, uh, Dave Clawson, uh, you know, probably more appropriately known as, uh, found out that he passed away earlier this week, and. Uh, you know, I, I, I just just really my relationship with him, uh, I think like a lot of us, and I was thinking about this on the drive home here, you know, we, you know, I, I'm in that, I guess, millennial generation. I'm not really sure what I am. We have those types of relationships where, you know, somebody on an internet basis and then, you know, you, and then one way or another, you get a chance to see him in person. And it's just kind of weird because like you feel like you know him, but you don't. Uh, but we actually had a little bit of a chance to cross into that kind of like knowing each other, not just on the internet. And um, I was lucky enough to talk with him at the women's tournament last year because uh, he came out to support the women's team despite uh, stage four prostate cancer. I think a lot of our discussion was about his treatment. And I think at that point he was involved in an experimental treatment. And, um, you know, just, just had that experience of talking to somebody and having that talk of you get an opportunity to do something in your life, you do it. You know, that's why, yeah, I mean, you know, tonight we cut a little close coming back, but you get a chance to take your kids to the Pluster and see basketball there. You take them because you don't know what could happen tomorrow or the day after or hell the next minute. Um, so that was a lot of what he talked about. And I know that's some of what I take from him. You know, again, it's just supporting Drexel to the end. And his wife had made a comment that supporting the Phillies to the end and then went to his class reunion. You know, one of the last things that he did. And um, I was debating Thursday or Wednesday last week whether to go to mine. And I was like, you know, he went to his and you know, again, you have that opportunity to do something, you do it. Uh, so again, I was lucky to have that conversation with him, which took us a little behind just the, the internet relationship. So, um, but I know, um, Dan too, you, you had something to share. So what do you, what do you got for us here? Yeah. I was, uh, I mean, a little bit here and, um, noted here, Dave was the director class of 1975, which led to my running jokes with the old man, right? He started scoring in hieroglyphics. Moved on to the Abacus and ended up with that Dactronics Jumbotron that sat up there until this year. Um, and the fact that uh, he leaves us when that new monstrosity of a scoreboard comes in, um, somehow or another feels appropriate. Um, but it wasn't a technology thing um, because uh, before the CA, before the, the, the Kurt Dragons cast Slack channel on the CSN boards and then the CA zone boards, there was a prodigy. If anybody remembers back then, prodigy. And I know that's where he met Jason Braun, um, Eric Germander, Frank Ferriola, guys he's introduced me to. Um, but that's that's a um, a dragon, a Dutchman, and a blue hen that I just named. And that was very on, pay, on par for Dave. Um, he, he really didn't care where you came from. He wasn't into rivalries as much as he was into just sharing the joy of the game. And uh, I thought that was, was great. And I think that came through a lot. Um, but when the zone message board did come around, um, he was not just a member there, he was the moderator and it wasn't just for Drexel. He kind of moderated, uh, helped moderate the whole board. And I think he really viewed that as an opportunity to keep us, to give everyone else kind of a clean, safe environment in the internet to, to talk about the joy of Drexel basketball and, and, and CA basketball. And, uh, the internet could kind of be a hellscape, but it wasn't there. That's kind of, that board is what bloomed a lot of relationships. Nate. I think you and I met there. Um, you know, it's, uh, he believed, uh, it should be, you know, a clean place. It should be how you speak, you know, uh, on an online forum should be the same as real life. Um, so, you know, he, he used that opportunity to, to extend that there and, and speak to us and, and then speak to me offline and, and, and many others. Um, I appreciated that. Um, the other thing about him being a moderator was that he knew the rules. He knew them better than the officials at the DAC too at times. Um, he, he sat in that seat for 30 years, uh, at the scorer's table, 30 plus years. Um, and he would sometimes tell me about um, where uh, 
where he had run with runs with officials. We'll call it that. And I ran back through some old emails. And 2014, there was a game against William and Mary. Home lost to William and Mary, where Brew lost the shit. Um, and uh, and I had said something to Dave, just being asking him if he'd seen kind of um, some of the things that I thought he'd seen that that Brew thought he'd seen. And um, he gave me a number of technical examples, but then he gave me one, which is the official. Uh, there was a question on whether it was a two-pointer or a three-pointer shot, whether he stepped, uh, Chris Fouch stepped on the line, I think it was what it was. And uh, the official motion to the table kind of to mark the spot on the tape that they were going to replay that. You know, you've, you've probably seen the mechanism at games before when the officials motion to the table there that they're going to go back and take a look at it. And um, halftime came and the officials started leaving and Dave had to call them over to remind them they had a review still to do. So it was, it was, you know, it was just a crew that had a really, really bad game. Yes, Brew was right. Like, you know, and he had just a great story after great story like that, where, you know, some, sometimes crews are really good. Sometimes they're right. And sometimes we all got a good chuckle out of it. And I think regardless, he enjoyed the part where, you know, they'd have to come around again in another month to do another game and he'd see them pregame and they'd get to catch up. And, and that chuckle with the refs about what happened last time, I think was something that he really enjoyed. Um, you know, I have notes here, but you know, he, he kind of, he, he was a doer, not a talker. Um, he wasn't just community members in the Lions club. He wasn't just, uh, to your point, Nate, he didn't just attend the 50 year reunion. He helped organize it, um, for our space and in, in, in the zone and everything else. He helped moderate. He, he was about going out there and, and making the community as strong as he could, wherever he was. And I thought that that was an example. Um, I certainly tried to learn from. It's also something where I wanted to mention for anybody else who's out there who's considering joining us on Dragon's Cast or on the CSN boards. Um, this is a great time to do it, um, to, to live up and, and, and enjoy that space that he kind of helped create um, long before we were doing it. So I want to put that one out there, and, and, and um, I think he'd appreciate that. The last thing I noted is that he is a Drexel Hall of Famer. Um, he neither played for the Dragons. He was not an executive for the Dragons. He's not a donor big enough to have a name on his building of the Dragons and try to find a lot of Hall of Famers who didn't play for the Dragons, run something, or be a huge donor. That's going to be a very short list, right? I mean, it's how do you make the Hall of Fame without doing that? And the answer is, is just 30 years. Uh, um, things like Kathy put on Facebook that a few months ago, actually, I think, when our time on this earth is done, money or material things will not matter. But the love, time, and kindness we've given others will shine and live on forever. And I think that's why he's in the Hall of Fame, ultimately. You know, he, he guided people. Uh, he showed love to people. He was kind to people. And he did that for 30 years. And I think that's ultimately why he's in. And I think that is a unique story these days. And that's one that I thought was worth sharing. So uh, that's why I'm here. That's why I want to take that time tonight. Uh, also, say, Kathy, that if you were listening, uh, I never actually saw him once without you. Um, they were inseparable. Um, and uh, it didn't shock me to see Kathy showing up on the message board then. Uh, to announce Dave's passing and then to uh, to make a witty remark at one of the other members. You knew that what, what Dave was doing and you knew how it was important was it to Dave and because it was important to Dave, it was important to Kathy. Um, he couldn't have had anybody better by his side. Um, Kathy, you have all of our, I think, deepest condolences and respect. I'm back in the DAC recently and, and Kathy, I really hope you keep coming. I hope to see you there. That's really my last note here. Um, great, great Drexel family, great friends and, and great people all the way across. So, so that's what I've got on Dave, but, um, I hope, uh, we hear more stories. I hope, I hope Kathy's going to share some of them because they're great. And, uh, I, I do, I, I hope his legacy carries on because it's a great one to have within this program. Yeah. You know, and you just kind of said it too. my, you know, I, I think I had sent him a Facebook message a few weeks ago and I was like, you know, in part of checking in, I think I just asked like, how are you doing? Cause I, I noticed, you know, you, and you, you know, these people on social media too, that, you know, you put stuff up with your kids and they like it, they comment and stuff. And, and I, I'm remembering too, he was always, you know, with COVID going on was always one of the, you know, being in the medical profession, there were hard days where you felt like you didn't have a lot of support from people. Cause you'd see what other people were posting and what you grew up with. And it, 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 it kind of bothered you, but he was always supportive of you know, what we were doing in healthcare during the pandemic too. So it felt like you, I had that support from him, but, and so I, I just sent him a message, but I noticed I wasn't seeing a lot of comments. So I sent him a message like, how are you doing? And wanted to check on him too. Cause 
like you just said, I can't imagine the stories he has sitting at that scoring table over, you know, decades. And, you know, I, I always have that regret that, you know, we didn't get a chance to, I, you know, I look at the podcast as a chance to, again, you know, get people on the record, you know, for, you know, forever. And um, I, I kind of I feel bad we missed that opportunity. But um, but Dan, you shared a few things and I'm sure as time goes along, those different stories will come out. Um, but, you know, and it, and it reminds you to not miss those opportunities in the future. So and that's another thing I'll take away from this is that, you know, I, I know we all see people around the deck and there's sometimes there's been that awkwardness like I was talking about. But hopefully as time goes along, we get over that for different reasons with the, the new you know leadership that's in there and then you know, we can, can even have better relationships as time goes along, but still not be afraid to give somebody a hard time if we're not liking what we see, which I'm sure there's a, there'll be a little bit of that here coming up, but, um, but yeah, no, um, feel like I missed out an opportunity there, but, uh, but now I was just happy I at least had that one conversation with him. So, so, uh, we will, we'll, we'll go through the games that happened today. And by the way, just one more comment and Dan, I know you texted me about something earlier. It seems like the athletic department really doing a nice job honoring him from what I hear. Yeah, there was a, a moment of silence before the women's game against Lehigh. I've been talking about something similar before the next men's game posted on the website, you know, right there on the front page and it was on social media. So little things like that, I think can go a long way and it definitely shows that, that we're, we're trying to do the right things here. So. Yeah. And a lot of people over there have been there for, for a long time. They've worked with him for a very, very long time. They know him better than any of us do. So, um, you know, I, I look forward to, to any conversations that we can have in that regard, or, uh, regarding Dave, because I know it's a loss for us all. Yep. So, so we will, and, and, you know, you think of things you're thankful for one, like I said, you're thankful you're still here and, and every day is a blessing and then thankful for the relationships that you did have and the conversations you did have. So, you know, you, you, you think back to those things and you appreciate them more. So, but, um, all right. So, um, so let's go. And, and go through some of the games here. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about the men's uh, tournament. And again, correct me if the Florida Gulf Coast Showcase, am I getting that right? Is that what we were playing down there in Florida? Um, so we we played two games that we didn't necessarily talk about. I'm going to just go through them, the notes that I have, try to be brief, and then we'll we'll kind of go around and, and see what people thought. So, um, so we played after our win. Uh, then we played Florida Gulf Coast for a, a shot at the tournament, uh, the tournament championship game. Uh, we ended up losing sixty-seven to fifty-nine. Uh, pretty even game back and forth, and uh, we were only down um, a two-point game at halftime. And then it, it kind of a theme, I guess. And now, as I think about it, and and Leon was right, you do pick up themes here, but um, which and unfortunately consistent, not so good theme. Uh, but I just go on one for our last 10 uh, on on uh, from the field. And then for the game, we shot 35%. We were 9 of 18 from the line. Uh, so it just felt like a game that could have gone either way. And then uh, especially Thompson for Florida Gulf Coast had a great second half, uh, had uh, 17 points in the second half. And it was basically could have gone either way. One team was going to make plays. The other team wasn't. The team made plays was going to win. Fortunately, it wasn't us. Um, so it was... Uh, Florida Gulf Coast that uh, ended up pulling away. Uh, Mario Williams had a good game, and I have him um, eight of twelve from the line. So, uh, and that's been a good theme. He's been shooting the free throws a little bit better here. But bottom line, just couldn't get three, couldn't any shots. Good looks. We were four of sixteen from three in the second half, um, and then Coltrane was one for four. So yeah, they made the plays and we didn't, and uh, they pulled away and 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 won the game. So we found ourselves in the third place game against Indiana State. And we ended up losing that game, 85 to 81. Uh, I watched this on Thanksgiving morning, and I, I just had this feeling. It was like, you know, same deal. It was like we sat there seven, eight points down the whole second half and, you know, just waiting for somebody to kind of break out and, and maybe help us go on a run. Or, and like I'll get into it, I'm sure, you know, waiting for us to do something to maybe, you know, spark us meeting, not the players. So that kind of narrows it down to what I'm talking about. Um, but waiting for somebody to, to do something to get us a uh, spark. It just never came. Um, and because and offensively, I mean, we were 11 of 21 from three. Uh, you know, Amari, uh, even he only played 25 minutes, but had 15 points. Uh, so offensively, we were pretty good. All five starters were in double figures. Coltrane had 16. Uh, but basically, same deal. They had uh, their places to go for points, um, including a gentleman whose name, I think it was like a villa was his name. Just was getting wide open threes and kept burying them. and. 
got to that point where their offenses, their their buckets were easier to get than ours. So they were able to kind of extend their lead and we never made a run. So um, so again, we just kind of it was almost like we sat there content to lose by seven, eight points and and head home. So um, so we end up fourth place in the tournament. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily the outcome we wanted. Good to get at least win, win, one win down there, but felt like maybe we could have done a little bit better. So, so we'll go around, and I'm just going clockwise here on my screen. So, Leon, any thoughts you had on, you know, in general, anything that was bugging you or you're happy about? No, yeah, I think you hit on some of the major points, right? Like both the games we were in it, it looked like we could have won either of those games, but we ended up walking away with a loss. Uh, both the games, they had a couple of players that showed up and consistently. We had players that showed up too. And, and well, to your point, free throws, they've definitely improved since the Penn game because if we shot free throws like we did in those two games, these two games, like we uh, at Penn, we'd have won the game. So I'm glad to see the free improvement in free throws, but I don't understand. And again, this probably goes more into the coaching piece than players where we, we when we can keep the game close, but then it kind of gets away from us in the last five to eight minutes. So, uh, and I don't want to jump ahead to tonight's uh, game that we're recording after the Temple game today. So I don't know what's happening where we get close enough, it seems like, to win a game or to compete, but can't seem to get the W, which is, you know, everything else. And finishing fourth place, I guess, is okay. Except for when you think, when, except for the fact is that we still win one and two, right? So for, if we're in the middle of the pack, which is, I guess, what we're expected to be this year. So. Was it disappointing? It was disappointing because the first game we were we were so decisively uh, destroying the UT Arlington team. So it, it just boosted our confidence again. It's, it hyped me up again, like much to Dan's dismay, you know. So, <laughs> but uh, it, it was I I thought we could have at least beat, beaten Indiana State, and I think I would have been happy if we lost to Florida Gulf Coast, but came away with, with a win in this second game at the Gulf Coast Showcase. I mean, I think you look and you just see games that were winnable that we just couldn't finish off here um, in both of these games. I mean, against Florida Gulf Coast, like you said, like the, the defense was actually decent uh, for the most part, I thought. Um, and then the defense failed us, I think, in the Indiana State game. So it was completely different. And one thing I did like to see before the Gulf Coast game was it looked like um, Oak Rose was trying to find his game. He didn't particularly play well there, but he looked more confident um, in the Florida Gulf Coast game. And I think that carried over into the Indiana State game. And he's been playing, he played better at Temple tonight too. So I like to see to get him going a little bit, um, getting his confidence up because we need him to be facing Walsh. Yeah, I mean, that, the Indiana State game to me was really... Um, encouraging i mean despite the fact that the the defense wasn't where it needed to be you got to see some potential offensive firepower when the team is you know uh, operating at a, at a decently high level at least i mean amari didn't even have a great game he scored 15 but he hit like a late fade away three uh, somehow to to get him up to 15 and then uh but you had you know 13 from justin moore of course had 12 you had odin 16 Filtering Washington 13. I mean, you got all your starters averaging double figures. I mean, that to me was encouraging, at least. Um, we were getting backdoor cut it all night in that particular game. It couldn't seem to stop it. I had no answer for it. And then the one player who, um, D2 transfer some sort on that team. What's his name? Bledson. And that guy was killing us. Um, and we didn't seem to make adjustments to it stop him either so i don't know I, I was encouraged a little bit then um but i again this team just doesn't seem to be able to finish off the game there's they're playing well for most of it and then we're staying right there with the other team at least something just goes wrong maybe we don't have an easy enough way to get a basket when it's not amari um and then we just flounder for a bit and game gets out of hand a little that's my thought for those two games so yeah i mean i i I think you guys summed it up pretty well. Uh, one thing I have, uh, I was looking at it for those two games, and it's still true after Temple actually got maybe slightly worse. Just, you know, we do have a freshman point guard here on Justin Moore, and I think he looks really capable. I'm excited about him. 
Um, but when I looked at, um, you know, his efficiency numbers right now are, are horrendous. And by the way, opposing point guards are scoring like a thousand percent on their, uh, you know, from the field right now. They're, they're scoring everything. So defensively, I think he's a little soft, soft uh, on screens and whatnot. But offensively, you know, he's struggling despite the fact that his game looks better than that. And when I ask myself why, I look at dudes taking more shots um, than any of uh, Matei, Train, or Odin. And uh, in today's game against Temple, he took, um, Justin took 15 shots, and that trio that I just listed of upperclassmen took six, combined for 16. You can't, you can't ask a freshman point guard at a top 100 program on the road to, you know, it just, it's just not fair. It's just, you know, it's, it's, we're trying to put way too much on him, in my opinion. Um, and that's something I feel like through three games, that's, that's an area where we are weak offensively. If, if you know, technically metrics are offense is about average right now. But if you make Justin Moore a plus player, you know, instead of asking him to do so much that he's a minus player, uh, I think that there's real good possibility for improvement there. I do wonder maybe if this is seasoning for conference play and we're going to throw you into the fire and get, get you some experience before then. It's possible. Um, you know, the other thing I want to jump too much on today, but yeah, I, I was looking for, for Matei to jump back a little bit. We saw a little bit uh, in Florida Gulf Coast and, and uh, in a state there, I thought Bill, uh, and obviously then today, um, he played 37 minutes today. I had no idea. I thought it was like 20. I mean, honestly, I, I, I had, I was at the game. I was physically watching the floor. I had no idea he was out there. That's a problem. So, yeah. Well, just, yeah, and just again, I mean, cause we'll love to Temple and just, I mean, we lost today, obviously. And then, um, it's kind of the same. This is a pretty consistent theme with what we've seen over the last week. So, I mean, yeah, lump it in there. We'll, we'll go over that the same. Yeah. That's really what I got. I guess the other thing I would t- take away is, um, uh, Dragons, going back Leon, to, to where we should be, you know, we haven't lost uh, to anybody bad yet. Every every loss here, uh, Penn's a fairly quality team. They'd be decent in the CEA. Florida Gulf Coast is actually looking pretty good. Indiana State looks pretty good. Temple looks like they could be a top 100 team. So four losses, but none, none to be particularly ashamed of yet. Um, the flip side, Old Dominion, first game, if I throw that out, the only win is UT Arlington. UT Arlington is uh, 363rd in field goal percentage right now. And for those of you counting, there's 363 Division I teams. So it's not like that's a great win. Um, what I'm saying is, is it doesn't look like we're great. It doesn't look like we're particularly bad. And that probably slots you actually pretty decent in the CAA. And with a, with a lot of room to grow with a roster that's still transitioning and figuring each other out and getting Shane Blakeney back. So... Um, that's after after those two games, the Florida Gulf Coast Indiana State. That's kind of where I stood, and I f- probably still feel that way today. But I'll, I'll let you guys talk about Temple. You know, the only thing I'll add about Temple is that I just had this feeling of like, and I don't have notes, I haven't really broken it down. So we just got home, but it was like, you know, we got the lead, and I, I was saying to, um, you know, Eric was there, and then my kids, whether they're listening or not, when I talk, it was almost like we're like, okay, we got the lead, we're good. You guys just go ahead and win. And you know, Temple went on that run, got up double digits, and I was just like. Or are we going to press or are we going to like what's going on? So I hear what you're saying. We have, we don't have a bad loss to a, a, a bad team necessarily. But then again, I just feel like we're back in that same position of staring at like a 500 record square in the face where, and I heard you guys throw out I've heard two words that I've been thinking a lot about lately, you know, consistency and adjustments uh, and kind of things that I, I feel like are, are things we need to improve. So, I mean, for me, it's like, what do we do? Like you mentioned Justin Moore. Actually, sometimes I don't feel like we're asking too much out of him. Today, I felt like it was also, I don't know if because he was playing a Philly team. It, he, he, I liked it. He was playing with like a little bit of a chip on his shoulder a little bit. But then again, there's other games where it's like, I don't know what his role is. And that's a common theme across the roster. It's like, what is their role? Um, so you guys feel that way? And you feel like if we establish that, that can help with consistency? It was that gold jersey today that you felt, you know, the... The rivalry jersey that we introduced when uh, Coach Spiker first came around, I feel. No, yeah, again, just it's a lot to put on a freshman, to your point, Dan, the number of shots he's taking. But he seems to be at least, he seems to be taking it in stride. So that's the good news. Uh, The bad news is the positionless basketball is not working out too great for us. Uh, Yeah, I just, uh, I I think Amari, when he plays best when he's in that center role, Justin plays best probably when he's actually passing. Uh, and 
uh, even though he had some good shots today and we needed those shots. Um, and, you know, we need, our, we need more opportunities for our set shooters to get open. And we need to run plays for – we need to run a lot more plays just for Coltrane, uh, Mateo Kroos, and, uh, and Lamar Odin even to, you know, get shots open and just take shots. Like, like run plays to like double screen. I don't care. Just get them wide open for shots more. Uh, and, you know, this way at least uh, we have more consistent opportunities to get some better shots out there as opposed to forcing it up sometimes from a freshman point guard. Throw the picket fence at him. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, it's something I see sometimes. I, I, we saw it today a little bit, right? Coming out of the gate, Matei got a few shots, um, and then that was that was it. Um, but we see this sometimes, and I think over the years with Coach Blake and his staff, they'll come out really trying to stress getting somebody the ball out of the gate. Maybe you'll see it again out of halftime or out of a timeout later in the game. But then as the game gets played on, we lose that. We kind of fold back into who we are. And and I think if, if they have that stress, if they kind of know, hey, we got to get this guy involved. I thought Coltrane did that. He had a he had a couple takes. Um, he had hopefully the worst first half of his career tonight. Um, I had of him for bricking a layup, then fouling on a three, and then fouling on an and one, and then leaving the game because he had two fouls. Like that was, yeah, he had no points and two fouls in the first half. Um, he had a pretty decent second half in response, but... You know, those um, those guys, if we're going to say, hey, we're going to commit to them, and, and we come out of the gate, getting the ball to Matei and getting them some looks, like, it's got to happen for the rest of the 35 minutes, too. You know, we, we, we shy away, we fall back into who we are, and um, there's a reason why they came out of the gate like that. To your point, Leon, I think, yeah, got to push, got to get those guys, especially this, this set shot shooters, um, in their spots and got to get them hidden because Matei hit today. You just never got more than, I think, two or three opportunities. Yeah, it took them three shots for him in 36 minutes. That's terrible. I mean, he's not a guy who's going to create his own shot. Like Coltrane at least can go out there and he can create a little bit. I think that's why you see him shoot a little bit more. He doesn't necessarily have to, you know, wait for plays to be drawn up for him. Okros is pretty much, he's a, he's a said shooter. I mean, he, he can drive a little. Missing layups doing that this year, but um, for the most part, he's known as a shooter, and he's just not getting those opportunities. And like we said before, he's not good enough of a defender. I mean, I think he did a decent job tonight. He's not a good enough defender just to leave him out there for thirty-six minutes and take three jump shots. It's just cut it. Um, but I don't blame him for that. Honestly, like I said, that's that's coaching. We need to we need to find ways to get him the ball. Spiker would drive me crazy with uh, Bickerstaff when we had him. Like I feel like we had. I was a mismatch nightmare in our conference, um, and we just didn't give him the ball some days. There was, I, I remember one game we lost. I think he was two for three from the field, similar to Okros, too. I was like, why are we giving this guy the ball? They can't stop him. Um, I mean, it's a little different Okros. I'm just saying, you know, hey, this guy can shoot. Let's find him opportunities to get open looks. Like, that's all you got to do. And then, like, Odin looked really good last game against Indiana State, and he has four shots. I don't know. You got to find other ways. I mean, I think we, it feels like we're still in like a Cam Winter offense with a freshman point guard. I love Justin Moore, but you're still running your entire offensive game plan through him. I don't know. I think it's too early for, for him on that. I'd almost rather see him focus on, you know, distributing the ball a little bit more. You know, take those mid, mid-range jumpers when they give them to you. Take an open three here and there. But he's definitely forcing some shots, uh, and he shouldn't be put in that position at this point. Um we need other guys to to step up who have been on the team longer. I think that we took 15 shots tonight, Dan. I mean, that's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of volume, um, especially when you know Okros has three and Odin has four. Yeah, you need a little more balance out there. He could pass. I'd like to see him create. I think he he set Mario up for at least three wide open dunks just driving the ball. And I'd like to see him do a little bit more of that. Even though he's capable, he's a capable scorer, and he'll get better as he goes along. I mean, he's I think he's at least meeting expectations as a freshman, if not exceeding them so far, but he's just a little, he needs to be a little bit more efficient. I'm with you. I'm still really excited about him. I, I think he, he's, again, maybe this is trial by fire and getting him ready for conference play. But, um, yeah, he shows all the skill sets, right? He shows everything you kind of want out of there. Um, so so it's just, you know, let's see that progress. The other thing, Nate, if if, if I had one more, um, when we talk about that, that kind of final 10 minutes of the games that we've been dealing with, there was a moment, uh, in the second half today, 
I think it was um, Reynolds for Temple, the big man. Uh, went down. He got hurt. Looks pretty bad, actually. I hope hope he's all right. But um, the next play, Amari comes out, um, gets the line, hits his two free throws. And I turned to to you guys, and you probably couldn't hear me because the chin was deafening. Uh, nobody in it. They apparently just used the sound system to uh, make sure we couldn't hear each other. But uh, I, I tried to shout to you guys and say, that's got to be the next eight minutes. All right, we've got a backup center on their team. Amari, Amari just walk, walked in the lane, got fouled. This is going to be like, that tied up the game, those free throws. And, and I really thought, okay, this was going to go bad. And as soon as I saw that happen, I go, okay, we, we got a shot here. And uh, the next shot Amari took was at the 235 mark in the game. Can't happen. Can't happen. Feed him. I don't care how you coach to get there. I, it can't happen. You know, it was a, it was a, a three by Coltrane. He hit it, but then a, a, a missed layup by Coltrane. I think it was rejected. Um, Coltrane, Coltrane, Justin Moore, Coltrane. And, and we never, I don't, I don't think he has a touch, to be honest with you. In that stretch, Dan, why, why isn't there a timeout called? You keep, you keep going down longer, further and further. Like, this used to be a theme with Spiker all the time, I feel like, where he wasn't calling timeouts enough time. And the, the lead would balloon to like 15 points and that game would be over. Like, before it gets to 11, you know, you see the team's messing up. Justin Moore's got a turnover. It's a bad shot. It's a missed layup. Get a timeout, regroup. Come up with a plan. It's just, I don't know, simple coaching things I'd like to see there. Only thing Amari's got on the box score between the 815 mark and the 235 mark um, is an offensive foul, and it was away from the play. It was, it was the illegal screen called on him. And we had a made basket that would have cut it to six. So, yeah, just not involved at all uh, against the backup center. Can't happen. When, and you guys are talking about adjustments offensively and then and defensively. I, I actually bothered me less today because we got so far behind so fast. Like you said, I, I was starting to think if there was a timeout. I guess there wasn't because in the back and, and the back line was like, yeah, we probably should have tried to calm things down. But, um, but you know, it really bothered me in the Indiana State game not seeing really you know whether it was a press or even just going to a zone. I think there was one of the games down in Florida. We came out in the zone for like the first couple possessions and then we came out of it. But, you know, you could help the the player. Someone had mentioned how much we struggle to get easy baskets. And if we could just get a couple extra possessions or a couple turnovers, get a couple transition baskets, and especially that Indiana State game, you go from being down seven to eight to being within maybe a basket or two. So, yeah, again, just wanting to see some other things defensively too to, to see if we could you know, kind of, you know, get the other team out of sync instead of it's always us that seems like gets put out of sync. So, um, you know, and, and Dan, I, you know, you, you said something a minute ago I was just curious about, you know, you said we get back to who we are. Who are we? Can, can you answer that question? I can't. That's why I'm just kind of curious. It's not good. I, I don't know exactly what it is, but we're not, it's not good. Um, it, it, it tends to be, um, Guys who look overmatched. I just, I mean, can I just? I, I do. I feel like you put. I mean, Temple's a bit of an extreme example. They're, they're an AAC team. Uh, is, is that what it is? The AAC? I don't even know. Uh, the American, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, um, you don't necessarily expect a CA team to match up physically with them, but you know, we're a team that relies on system. It relies on system, and that system. You know, it's supposed to create open looks and, and hasn't been happening. And I think that's why you guys are kind of not excited about it right now. I, I, I'm not smart enough to know what the coach is doing right or wrong necessarily, but you know, I, I can I I can observe and tell you Amari Williams should touch the ball, you know, when the lead's going away. Bill, I will say there was a timeout taken by Spiker when they went down four at the nine thirty eight mark in the half. Okay. So he just he just burned one of his second half timeouts. Maybe he was trying to hold but the next one, you're right, he, they were down eleven. I mean just Hit a three to make it only eleven. Um, so, yeah, probably was room for one in there, um, but he, he did take one a little bit earlier. I don't know. I we're doing a lot of coach bashing right now. It's um, obviously after a game like today, it's going to happen. Uh, after coming off of three straight losses against teams that were beatable, probably going to happen. Um, but I, I do, and as much as I'll criticize him for saying, "Hey, Justin Moore shouldn't be leading the team in minutes with thirty-eight today," I still think that's probably true. Um, um, Berg is behind. We, we had a great conversation in the stance about how we, we actually were supposed to 
pronounce that name. If anybody's sure it's Bergens, please let me know. They said Bergens on the last. Uh... Okay, that's what they were saying. The PA guy was saying, so maybe it's Bergens. All right, we gotta. I gotta get that right. So I'll talk to, talk to somebody. But, um, you know, he may need some more minutes. Something. I, there is a depth problem, right? Like there is. Who are you gonna put in? Who's gonna be? In? And again, I don't want to put too much pressure on on, on Shane Blake because I've never seen a guy play. But I, you know, I'm excited about what Bill tells me about him. So I'm excited to get him in the rotation, and have some more options. Luke House was holding us in this game for a good chunk of the first half. And again, I think that's a guy who um, was a nice piece to have off the bench, but he's not the guy you want, you know. Uh, to his credit, he was getting to the rim on them. He, he was actually making, just getting the layups against them, which was kind of crazy, but um, he's probably not the guy you want to be running your offense through either, um, so much as he should be a nice contributor to that offense. So is it personnel? Is it coaching? I, I don't know. Um, and again, all these wins are, all these losses are against quality opponents. But the top half of the CA is not the top half, but maybe the top third of the CA is going to be a quality opponent. They're going to be better than these teams, as a matter of fact. Um, you should talk about Towson and Charles. Towson and Charleston win these games. Win these games. So if you want to be competitive in the CA, you need to start winning some of these games. Got Lafayette coming up. You got to win that. But Princeton and LaSalle are going to be good opportunities again to see this kind of level of competition, which is, I would consider, you know, top half CA caliber competition. And you're gonna have, you have to start showing me something. So I was gonna say, I mean, I don't know what's changed in the offense, but just look back to when like Trevor John was on the team, right? Like Oak Gross is six six. Trevor John's what six two. I mean, I, Trevor John's probably a better shooter, but but Oak Gross should be able to at least put up more shots. Like I, I don't know what the difference is and why Trevor John was getting open all the time and finding looks, and we can't get Oak Gross even looks at the basket or or Odin looks at the basket. Like we should be generating more open three-pointers, especially when you have Amari who commands a double team in there. If they don't, he's pretty much going to score. Um, although with Amari, I would like to see him go right occasionally. Just the, I don't know if anyone else... We were talking about that. Yeah, and I feel like the defenders are cheating to the... They are. So basically, yeah, they're, they're, and because there are a couple, you could see if he'd spun baseline, he would have a layup. He just so. needs a drop step and then a right-handed layup, and he'll, he'll, he'll be killing people. They, they, won't, they can't just overplay that to the side. Uh, to his left hand all the time. He'd rather go away from the basket and take a longer shot, left-handed hook that sometimes misses because it's farther away from the basket as opposed to just spin towards the basket. Yeah. Just go in there, go in there and dunk that, man. Yeah, there's so many like that. Yeah. It's a simple move. He should, I mean, I, I, he's not comfortable, obviously, but if he gets that, he'll be unstoppable. I mean, he's already pretty much unstoppable, but um, yeah, just being able to go right a little bit will really help his game out. Um, and that's Ned picking Amari. I mean, Amari's been fantastic um, all, all year so far. Um, the one thing I want to say, the Indiana State game, uh, when they brought in that, I think it was Avila or Avila, um, he pulled Amari away from the hoop. He was, uh, you know, 6'10 or something. He's out there shooting threes. And what that did was it took Amari away defensively inside. He kind of had a float out towards the perimeter. And I'm interested to see if more teams do that and try to, you know, lure him out so that he can't just be sitting back in the paint. And then if we make an adjustment to somehow, you know, if we play zone or we, you know, switch up more to keep him inside because our defense is so much better when he's in. Um, and I think Indiana State exploited that um, really to their advantage. And he's not that comfortable guarding out on the premier anyway. Gave up a couple of threes in that guy. But overall, Mario's been great. I don't want to bash him at all. He's been fantastic. More support for him. And just so I, you know, so I'm clear of where I stand, you know, and, and I guess my part of my, what I, what bothered me this week is I felt like, again, we, I want it better for the players. Like I'm, I'm looking and like, I, I feel like what I see on the floor, I see, I think Odin's a talented player. We talked about Amari Okrus. I know, you know, I think he could shoot the ball. At least likely he's getting in the lane a little bit. I mean, that's the kind of adjustment I want to see add to his game, not just being a spot shooter. I mean, you know, Justin Moore is a talented young friend. I mean, you can go to the list. I look at these guys, and at one point we had a lineup in there with, was it Amari Williams, um, and then the the other freshman Hargrove, if I'm saying his name right. I mean, we had good size on the floor. Odin, I think, was out there. I'm like, wow, this is a big lineup. And, you know, it just, I feel like we're not quite getting, you know, I, I usually say a few years ago we brought in that class, Amari Williams, uh, Odin, I mean, Xavier Bell, and I was like, all right, we got players now. Like, I feel like these are finally guys that can compete in the CAA. 
So what are we going to do with these guys? And and I, I, I feel like we have more pieces that are at the CAA level than we did before. And all I want to see is like the foundation laid. OK, this is Drexel basketball. Like this is how we're going to play. That's why I asked, who are we? You know, you think of, um, of course, I'm sitting here. I can't think of it. You know, I'm going to see Penn tonight. Right. So Penn's always going to have that guy like Slacker, who is a spot shooter. He's going to kill you from three. And they're always going to have that athletic guard, too, that can do a little bit of everything, drive, shoot. And then actually they have a big man now. He had a nice game for them against Delaware tonight. But even 10, 15 years later in coaching chaff changes, Penn has a way you kind of they, that they play. And and I hate, and hey, Bruiser Flit, right? We knew we were going to be a man-to-man defensive team. We we're going to go inside, work in and inside out. And that was almost to a fault, you know. Um, now I feel like we've swung the other way where it's like, I don't know who we are. So it's like kind of figure out, okay, how do we want to play with these guys? Getting certain guys a certain number of looks game after game. And then and then seeing that get better game by game, week by week. I mean, that's really all I'm looking for as we stand here. And and I hope we we start seeing that yeah, again here in the coming weeks. I mean, I think consistently the defense has been better this year, right? So that's got to be some sort of emphasis because we're long spikers tenure here it's been bad i mean early on especially the defense was bad um and it looks better this year i think some of that is just we have better athletes we have guys who can defend at a higher level um but it has to be a focus um so if we can somehow get you know the offensive that we used to have when we first came in like even with in- inferior players i feel like to these guys that you know we were scoring more points um that, you know, this can be a successful team. I think we do have some talent. It's, you know, it's young in some cases. It's it's new to the team. Um, it's, you know, they're still working. Get this thing figured out. Um, so we'll see how, how it goes as the season progresses. But um, we just need to be more consistent, too. I, I just feel like a couple of the guys look really great one game, and the next game they're barely shooting. So I, I don't really know how to fix that. But... Um, you know, I don't. I don't think it's completely a talent issue. I think the team's actually more talented than I thought it would be coming in. Just need that consistency. And we are a young team, right? So I gotta cut ourselves a little bit of slack here, but it's just the lack of adjustment or the consistent way we've been losing across these three games. I think uh, more of the Indiana State game and the Temple game today. I feel like really, really uh, leaves a bad taste. But uh, with that, I know we've been talking about the men's game. We probably jumped to the women's game, but. I kind of wanted to sneak in a new segment over here where uh, I wanted to kind of get your guys' take on uh, the good, bad, and the ugly. And this doesn't have to be any person or uh, in, in a, or it could be a thing or something that the player team's been doing. And it would be one, uh, and it doesn't all have to have one in each bucket. We could stack the goods if it's ha- it's been a good time and we can uh, have more uglies if it's been uglier than usual. So... But I did want us to kind of have a general, see if we could come to a general consensus on what's been good, what's been bad, or what's been ugly in that sense. So with an attempt at that, uh, Bill, if you had to pick something that was good, and again, we're thinking more just the last three games, what would you say was a good thing to come out of the last three games? Um, well, I mean, Amari's been good all year. So I think you got to put his just overall general play. He's just, he is who we, who we thought he was going to be this year, right? Like, I think he's probably going to be the top big man in the conference. Still playing well defensively. You know, without him, we really don't have a go-to guy. So I think that's one of the good. I, I also like that I'll put good as Okros, even though he's struggled to get shots up today. I still like that he looks more confident. Uh, early on in the season, I, I just, you can tell it was just, the confidence wasn't there. I don't know what was going on, but it just seemed like it wasn't there. The last three games, you know, Florida Gulf Coast, he was kind of searching for it, found it. And the last two games, he's been shooting much better. Um, so I'll put that in the good. As always, Optimist Bill. He's already putting Okros in the good bucket over here. We just need to get more shots. The fact that I want him to take more shots now is a, is a good thing. I mean, yeah, the, the no. previous games, I would have been like, nah, he, he looks terrible out there. Don't get him any shots. Uh, yeah. But now he like, still hesitates too much. That's he the does. biggest difference. He needs to launch. Him and Trevor John, the biggest difference I notice is that when Trevor got the ball, 
it was going up. It was a quick release and he got it up there. He still hesitates. He, just for that one second where that's enough sometimes for these better defenses to get up on you. But uh, do you guys agree with the good in, uh, from from, uh, from an Amari standpoint at least? Uh, <laughs> I think, is there any consensus on that? or I agree with them both, actually. I, 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 Matei, Matei looked, he, he did, he looked better. I mean, the, the shots went in, right? So, so. Uh, I was really, was really worried that there was an actual, you know, it was a physical injury um, or something because he was just so far off. And, and now I feel like he's he's who we think he is, which is which is a good shooter, to have, great shooter to have out there. Um, can I add one? Uh, I think Train uh, is uh, he's sitting fifty one percent from three right now for the year. That's that's pretty good. That that'll play. Uh, that's on thirty five attempts, so leads the team on attempts and still shooting it at over a fifty percent clip. Pretty solid. Even tonight, his defense wasn't bad at times. I mean, Battle was hit some tough shots. I mean, I think he blocked him once and he had those early fouls down. But in the second half, I thought like he at least getting a hand up in uh, up in his face. It just wasn't stopping him. But I thought his defense seemed solid night too. But yeah, his shooting has been crucial. Yeah, and and well, I thought with Cole Hardgrove, I I think I don't care remember how he said his name earlier, but um, you know, I I, I just throw him out there because. I honestly, I like our roster. I, I mean, like I'm, I pulled up our roster. I'm like, I'm looking through like, you know, there's always that guy that you're like, man, this guy's really, he, he annoys the crap out of me because he does this thing or that thing. It's like, no, everybody look through. They all show flashes of what they're capable of. And again, I, I I'm thinking of uh, my high school, like I said, last week won the state championship. And I asked a, a guy who knows a lot more about soccer than I do. Um, and probably not as much as Dan, and but but either way, and, and I was like, how is Northwestern Lehigh so good all of a sudden in soccer? And he's like, we, our coaches takes like like the kids who, you know, go out and play club and are playing soccer twelve months out of a year, and molds them well with the kids who maybe just play soccer for three months out of the year, puts that team together, and it just works. Um, so and that's what I see. Like I, I, it's, I like our roster. I like the guys that are out there. I just, we just have to figure out again, who do we want to be and then build that. So that, that's, I, we're at a good place. I feel like, and then not only that, it's carrying this forward, but then year by year, you know, I know there's transfers and all that stuff that goes on, but just to what point where we're not rebuilding the foundation every single year and deciding who we want to be. Um, but I, I like the roster to say that. So with that, I guess that's a decent amount of good stuff. So is there anything from a bad or ugly that you guys would add? Or is, is it mostly just good right now after the 0-3 we just had? I think, yeah, 0-3 is both bad and ugly. <laughs> that right in there. Um, I, I mean, bad, I think, is just the erratic nature of mostly Oak Rose and Ode getting shots. Like, it's like, you know, if you're a star one game, Especially for Odin, like he looks great one game, and the next game he's taking poor shots. Um, just need to find ways to get those guys more buckets, or at least more opportunities at shots. So that would be one one bad for me. I'm just stopping at the at the good things that I said because um, the ugly is my opportunity. You talked about not being able to hear somebody at a game. We went to a Phantoms game in Wilkesbury on Friday night hockey, and we sat in front of the most annoying group of kids I've ever sat around in my life. So they scream the entire game. Uh, my, my mother-in-law had to keep her ears closed like the entire game. So that's the ugly for me. I'm going to stay away from saying anything else negative about the team for now. Unrelated to bad or ugly. We were at a rider game a few years back, maybe more than a few years back now. Um, Leon, I, I think. You, yeah. Yeah. I remember that game. Yeah. And we just had these little kids. I don't know how old they were. 10, 13. They were cursing so, up a storm. They were trash talking <laughs> us like no other. I, I've never heard little kids trash talking like this before. I went, how much, how much can you trash talk back to children? It's, 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 it's not going to work out well for you either way. They, they were very close to finding out that night, though. But they, right. they were, they were about to cross that line. But yeah, um, just a side note there. Sorry, guys. I got an ugly. I got an ugly. Um, we went zone for like ten seconds today, and when they did it. Uh, Khalif Battle uh, was was sitting sitting in the corner, and I swear to God, it looked like we snuck extra people onto our coaching staff. The entire coaching staff was pointing at him. I mean, everybody was pointing <laughs> at him, going like, "Hey, hey, guys, shooter, shooter in the corner, shooter in the corner." Perspective: We talked about Coltrane leading our team in, in three point attempts. I think he's taking thirty five. Battle's taking sixty two at this point in the season. 
right? This dude is just, is rifling. So the whole staff is, and, and he sits there and we cheat too far off of him and, um, he gets the ball that knocks down the three, you know, spikers crying and we never see that zone again. So that was my ugly moment. I mean, you just, you can't have the entire coaching staff telling, telling the defender, you got to be over here and then have nobody slide. It was just brutal to watch. And it was to, to the point of, of, uh, of changes and, and, and adjustments. Never saw that zone again, Nate. So they, they found out that was a bad choice um, and went away from it after they got burned the first time. But um, yeah, that's, that's, that was one because it was almost like a caricature. It looked like a cartoon out there. It was just funny to be watched from like behind it. I don't know if this is a bad, but I don't, I don't love these two center lineups we've been throwing out there, whether it's Amari and Garfield Turner or Amari and Cole Hargrove. I just think that one of those guys can do anything from outside. It reminds me of like the old school Bruiser lineups where we'd have like Chaz and Frank in there, which worked back then. But I think now it's just, I don't know. We don't, we don't get enough out of those two guys together. We're not like, I don't even know why we're throwing it out there. We're not getting crushed on the boards. We're not getting beat up inside. I just don't understand the point of it. Maybe it's just a depth thing. I don't know, but it doesn't seem to go too well for us. I think we have too little offense out there when, when that's the case. It gets harder to feed Amari when you have another big man in there clogging the paint. That's a good one. I think I think the idea when we had Justin Jennings on the, on the pod was kind of that Amari could pop outside, but they're pretty clearly giving him a red light. You know, he has no interest in shooting from outside right now. So if, if he's not going to be a perimeter shooter or somebody who takes a jumper, then that doesn't make sense to me under the system they do. I do think it would be a phenomenal, you know, thing to try out, just, you know, going old school brew putting two bigs out there and running a system that works with that, you know, offensively because nobody else is running that these days. And I think it would be really hard for other teams to prepare for, but that's not what we're doing, right? That we're, we're just trying to use our regular system with Amari on the outside at the four, or I guess Amari not playing a position because two, three and four positionless, right? And, and if they're not going to let him shoot, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I mean, he's barely, they were leaving him wide open. Your point, Dan, he's not, he's not taking that shot. I mean, you can hit it once in a while. Like he's hitting, he's hit some difficult, threes i remember a couple last year he beat the buzzer on a few like just and he did that delaware game yeah, yeah i i mean he can i don't know how many you want him taking but if you're going to play him in that position you have to i mean you just neither hardgrove or garfield turner's giving you anything offensively you're not going to be able to feed amari the paint with him in there so i don't know i just don't love it i mean i was hoping you'd see maybe a little bit of terrence butler i think he can at least shoot from the outside a little bit but it doesn't seem like he's going to play at all so i don't think you can afford to have too big in there when you know those guys can't play in the perimeter at all well just two quick points dan about the zone I'm, i guess we got there late by the way the ugly was the traffic on the northeast extension <laughs> i'm never late for anything but yeah we and we were debating just bailing at the lehigh valley interchange and taking 78 back to mechanicsburg and the kids were like let's go so i mean and we get we guarantee to get a train ride they, that's that's i think why they like to go so we were like we're just going to take the train get to the game when we when we when we can um so it worked out but um, but just on the, the zone point, one is, I mean, you never know how much the coaching staff is telling the players what we're talking about. You know, like for Amari, you know, hey, spin baseline. Um, so maybe they're doing it and then they're not, it's not getting across. So again, you hope in the future it happens and we improve. That's all we're looking for. And the second piece too is just because you got burned in the zone once doesn't mean you bury it and never go back to it. Maybe there's another point in the game where it could be effective. I don't know. Fair, fair. Uh, you know, maybe they did, but I think, Given how poorly it looked, I don't mind them scrapping it there. Is what I would tell you. Uh, before we flip over to the women's program, just upcoming week for the men, Lafayette at home. That's pretty much a must win. I mean, if you don't take care of business there, then I would tell you we actually are taking on some water. And then um, we go into the exam break with a Saturday afternoon game at home against my Princeton Tigers. So, um, puck fend and whatever else we say at Princeton, but it's a it'll be a good one. Uh, the Tigers look good this year. They, they probably are the, one of the classes of the Ivy. It'll be nice to have them in kind of second sh- second shot at the Ivy League here at the deck. Well, I'm thinking about if you want my tickets, let me know. Something else came up in the name of Brandon Graham is doing an autograph session, and I hate paying for athletes' autographs, but I bought a ticket, and his time is right in the middle of the basketball game. So let me know if you want my tickets. Listeners, you can't have Nate's tickets. I'm taking Nate's tickets, okay? <laughs> yeah, I got four of them, by the way. So, But anyway, um, so no good. So uh, so go to the women in 
So played two games this week. I don't think I'm for, I'm missing one, but uh, we played on Tuesday night. Uh, we played Lehigh, and I was kind of looking for this to be a close game, and it wasn't. And uh, we ended up winning 84 to 61. And this is a game we did. I, I I think a situation we played about as well as we could play, and I think Lehigh probably played about as bad as they could play. And right from the jump, I mean, we got up to a 14-4 lead. Uh, with a little under five minutes left to go in the first quarter. Kishana had a great start. She had seven points and uh, just shot out, just took control of the game and outscored him by 16 in the second quarter. Lavelle was 4-4 from the floor. She had 10. Uh, Mara Hendrickson was knocking down three-pointers, which is key if she hits threes. I mean, that just adds another dimension to her offense. And then I, I had us only having one turnover in the first half and shooting 59%. Even had a uh, Satman was three for three with six points. So we just couldn't have played better. Ended up getting up to a 34-point lead. I'll be honest, I kind of tuned out. I was trying to decide what hat I was going to wear to my class reunion. So I was looking for this other one. And then I came downstairs. And I think they were within like maybe like, um, what's the, I think I put down the depth. So they got within 15 uh, early in the fourth quarter. And then we just kind of settled back down, got back to our business, and then extended the lead and, and took care of business. So, uh, but yeah, it was uh, Keyshawn ended up with 33 points, eight of nine from the line, and uh, just just took care of business is what it came down to. So, just, I mean, yeah, Lee, I, um, I wanted to turn on the TV and then I decided I didn't need to bother. It was, it was exciting for me. It was on NBC Sports Philly. I had it here, went to turn it on, and I was like, I, I don't probably need to. It's make my wife watch this because this is a blowout city. So I, I, I turned it back off. So apologies to Coach Brown, Rick Cusick for that one ratings point. But uh, yeah, phenomenal to see them. I thought coming off of the Sal loss, uh, the Eastern Shore game is probably closer than it should have been. They were kind of ripe for a bit of a breakout and, and uh, maybe Amy got into them. I don't know, but uh, it was good to see kind of the expected result. And then carry over today, and I, and I think kind of like you said, it, it's it's good to see us you know, kind of really taking it to some teams that I thought they were going to be close games and they're not. So we're talking about the men's team playing teams that I think maybe kind of, um, you know, right at our, our talent level, if not, you know, maybe a little bit above. Um, but, uh, but this Buffalo game, I thought potentially could be a tricky one. You're in the holiday, you're going up to New York and uh, one again, easily 53 to 35. I listened to this game and we were sucking traffic on the turnpike. Uh, so it was, you know, we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. So I didn't lock it on this like I wanted to, but, um, but basically it just came down to, I mean, Buffalo, it sounds like played just awful. Um, we didn't necessarily have our best performance either. I mean, we shot 37%, they shot 30%, but um, we good game from Grace O'Neill. Uh, she had it really crossed the stat sheet. She had uh, 12 points, nine rebounds and three steals. Again, not the greatest games for Kishana or Kylie Lavelle, but it was good enough is what it comes down to. And uh, I, I guess I, I just kind of file this one, you know, easy to go up and make a road trip over the holiday and play poorly and lose against a team that you're probably not that excited to play. But it, again, could credit Coach Mallon for having them ready to play. And a uh, good idea, too. I saw they went to Niagara Falls, so probably looked like a cool trip. So it uh, wasn't as mundane a trip. In the winter time, uh, well, it's, it's almost winter, you know what I mean. Um, but and then plus Kishana, they were talking about on the radio being from Canada, so maybe as close to homecoming as we could get, getting it right up there near the border. So good planning on that road trip um, to to have some other sightseeing going on to keep people motivated. So I, it's just good we went up there and took care of business, is the way I look at it. So yeah, and now with the win at Buffalo, Leon, you know the projected record for the for the women's team. We're back. We're back on pace. We're back on pace, so I know I know he loves a twenty-eight and one. Um, I, I did like to take a look at Buffalo's schedule to date. There is a chance that we overrated them massively. I think they're coming off of a D two loss coming into this game. Um, but Grayson, you're going all forty um, in the box here. You know she's really become um, somebody who uh, is really a quiet member of this team. I think. Doesn't necessarily fill up the box score or anything else, but she's she's the floor general, and uh, they clearly are happy with what they're getting out out of her because they keep feeding her minutes. So it's kind of cool, even though we, we talk about uh, Kylie and Kishana a lot to to see uh, see an, another freshman face. You know, two real. I mean, Grace O'Neill, Kylie Lavelle. I mean, we could be talking four years of hearing those names 
35, 40 minutes a game as a title contender year after year. This could be the next crew coming through. So it's kind of exciting to see from that perspective. Yeah, I just went back and double check. Yeah, for some reason, I thought Buffalo was picked higher in the MAC, but they were picked 10th. So I guess, yeah, it wasn't necessarily, but still a MAC team. And again, still, you know, to go on the road and take care of business is, is it's what we're looking for. So, and again, yeah, you, you, and you hate to compare the two, but again, and, and, you know, obviously Kishana Washington is a different type of player, but you know what the women's team is going to do. You know that Kishana is going to get hers and Kylie is going to do her thing. You have stuff to hang your hat on, and 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 that's what gets you through those those, and especially in the conference season where it's it's kind of a, you know, it's a long year, and you just seem to kind of kind of slog through and gut out wins when you know where the points are going to come from and how you're going to play. I think it really helps you. So, um, but you know, I'm looking at it just so I don't say anything else stupid, uh, which I'm good at, of course. But um, but we play Longwood next, which and I, I was I was thinking they're pretty good because I think they had a good team last year. But I'm looking they're losing. Or they lost today, eighty nine twenty eight to Virginia Tech, albeit you know, Virginia Tech's eleventh in the country, but um, yeah, losing by quick math, sixty one points doesn't look that good. So, um, but either way, yeah, but either way, it's a trip into the nowhere, middle of nowhere in Virginia on a whatever night, and I think the game's at a strange time too. So still, yeah, got to show up and play the way you play, and um, hopefully we do that later this week. So. This Longwood schedule is incredible. They, they've they played a full CAA schedule already. They lost by 20 to Delaware, uh, by 9 uh, at Towson, and then just charitably by 27 to JMU, honorary CAA member in this in this particular case. But yeah, these last two, uh, Virginia Tech, yeah, 89 to 28 is not great. Uh, the game before that was Louisville put up a C note, 100 to 37. Um, so, you know, I, I'll tell you this, they're going to be angry. It's the second straight road game. You're gonna you're gonna be going to a long with team that's not happy. They did beat a decent Ohio team already, so it's not like they're, you know, they're not terrible. Um, they're wounded they, animals. That's what you're saying. Yeah, they really are. They really <laughs> are. I, I'm not I'm not really looking. This is gonna be harder than it looks. I think. Yeah. Down to Longwood. Yeah. No, it's it's one of those. Yeah, if you show up and play, you're you'll be fine. But and and that's what's so awesome about this program. They they never take a game off. So, um, I expect a good effort. Um, we're going to find that out because they've got a uh, St. Joe's. We play Longwood Wednesday. We've got St. Joe's on Sunday. St. Joe's is six and zero right now. Big time. It's a look ahead spot. This is this Longwood game scares the crap out of me now. Um, but you know, this is going to be where you have to trust the coaching staff to have them in the right mindset because they got to look at this game and this game only because it's real easy to see these last two results. Longwood have look past them at the six and zero St. Joe's team come up in front of you. Yeah, I, I, I thank you for that transition because, like, and again, not looking past Longwood, of course, but uh, I'm planning to go Sunday to St. Joe's. If anybody was thinking about it, I mean, that's what I talk about. You know, women's basketball in the city is, I think, in a good place, and this is our biggest game. I think being involved with that. I know Villanova, I think, lost yesterday to Baylor, who's ranked two. It's a close game, you know, the whole way. They just lost at the end, but um, that's a huge game. Has that, you know. I, yeah, it makes me miss the days of the, you know, you think of the men's team when we play St. Joe's and how fired up I get about that. Um, so I have the same mindset going into this game. It's going to be a big deal next Sunday. So, all right. Um, any other thoughts? I don't know if, uh, Dan, you wanted to give uh, any updates uh, from an around the CAA standpoint because uh, anything, I know Townsend had a loss, right? That, who did Townsend lose to? Or Yeah, they had a bad one. Um it was uh, Fairfield. So they beat Cop and they lost at, on a neutral site to Fairfield, their, their tournament. They do go on to beat South Alabama and Mercer, both kind of okay teams. Um, so I guess they, they wrap up that tournament today. Um, but they're going to LIU. But yeah, bad loss for them. Um, and it's going to make the cries for Charleston to be considered the flagship go a little bit louder. Um, they came off with winning that tournament. Um, again, they played uh, Davidson, Colorado State, Virginia Tech all at home in that tourney to win it um, to a um, Pat Kelsey. will let you know, student put on campus, home game against Kent State. Kent State's a top 100 program as well, and they won that one by two. So a lot of close games for them, but they're they're coming out on the right side of all. Uh, they got Old Dominion at home next. Uh, they only left home once to, to play UNC. Um, that was a game we talked about before, but they put up 86. They lost by 16 to UNC. Uh, not a bad loss at all. Um, they're probably at this point, yeah. I mean, with that loss by Towson, they're probably the flag bearers right now. The Charleston is, uh, but again, two real solid programs. The 
at the top. I'm not going to penalize Towson too much for hip, hip, hiccuping once. Still think that game at Clemson in a few weeks is is a big one. Um, Hofstra um, goes to Canada, I believe. Um, so they got smoked by St. Mary's before the trip. Uh, that was last week, and then this this week in the tournament in their tournament, lost uh, to a good Middle Tennessee State team. Um, and then picked up wins against a good Greensboro team. Actually, Greensboro's pretty decent. And then um, slipped by Quinnipiac in the final game of that tournament. They go to old friends George Mason next week. Um, before uh, the Wednesday following, they've got a bye game at Purdue. So that's kind of where the top of the Colonial is. You don't want to hear about the bottom of the Colonial. Uh, it's 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 bad. Uh, Elon might be. Elon's Elon's making a fight for a worst team on the planet right now. Um, they just lost at home to Radford by 16, and no, Radford is not good. Um, so home loss by double digits there. I got a home loss to North Dakota. I noticed before earlier in the season, um, their only win was a non D one, and they haven't. They've only played one top 200 team so far uh, for one and five one D one record. So really bad. Stony Brook's worse than I thought. Um, they just got blown the doors off of them by Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, not good. Um, they lost by 30, almost, I think 29 in that game. So the bottom of this conference uh, needs work, to say the least. William & Mary got a win. William & Mary got a win. I uh, got two, actually. I, I, I stand corrected. They beat Army and Radford before losing at Pitt. Um, so they may have more of a pulse. Rumors of their demise may be, uh, yeah, especially relative to the, the other bottom of this league. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not good at the bottom. Still looks to me a lot like Towson, Charleston as top two. Hofstra's kind of a clear third. And then this grouping of Wilmington, Delaware, Drexel, Northeastern is going to be your next four in some order. Uh, and then just, uh, and I don't know that Northeastern is necessarily going to end up in that conversation the way they're playing early on, but they could. And after Northeastern, it's just a cliff. Everybody's bad. Everybody's just, if you lose to any of those bottom six teams, you know, that's going to really penalize you come seeding time. Um, yeah, I mean, Northeastern's only win right now is an OT win against Manhattan. They just lost by two to Princeton on a neutral site. So, well, so yeah, they play that competitively. Um, Princeton's a decent team, so we'll see them at the DAP next week. Uh, I, I'm not, I'm not, I still think Northeastern's got a shot to be relevant. To, um, we'll see where they are relative to Drexel, but that, that phase at that four through seven is the bucket I definitely find Drexel in right now. And, and I think that those are the teams that you want to be looking at and comparing yourself to and say, figuring out a way to get in front of, because you'll want to, you know, come seeding time at the end of the year with 13 teams in the league. Now it's really going to matter who you get in the postseason, um, especially with this big disparity between the top half group and the bottom half. So, there it is. That's, that's my around the league. It's just not much. I, I should be doing a closer, closer watch, but we'll, uh, we'll keep that up next week. You didn't see in Del Delaware tonight. I think Tamir Nelson Jr. had, I think he had 20 at halftime and then he, he hit a, couple shots in the in the beginning of the half he got up to 28 and then I could tell Penn took him away and I can't remember his last name but 22 was defending him and doing a good job and then Jair Davis I mean it, again they Penn is some decent size so he had some trouble with that but it just seemed like those two guys outside of Jameer Nelson Jr. and then um and then Davis they didn't really get any contribution for anybody else and Penn was getting it from all over the place and then Delaware wasn't really playing defense, um, so Penn just kind of pulled away. So Penn's kind of a common opponent, I feel like, for a lot of teams, and just got to look at how the matchups work. So, all right, yeah. So get out to the games. Yeah, we've got Wednesday night Lafayette, and then uh, the men Saturday, and then like I said, try to make that trip Sunday and support the women's program too. So yeah, that one's up at Hawk Hill. It's not on the deck, but definitely. I mean, that's gonna be a game to see. I think uh, all five women's programs in the city are probably gonna end up being top 100 teams. So. Good to see good basketball. I'm glad it's a road game. I'm looking forward to that. So that should be fun. So, all right. And we'll see you guys next week.